and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. My name is Tess. And I'm Matthew. And this week we are talking about episode 206, To Serve and Disinfect. A quick note on the title. It's, I didn't know what it was. It took me a minute. So Tess had to explain it to me. So let me read the summary and then we will discuss the title. Yes. Okay, so here's the summary, To Serve and Disinfect. An unemployed Will works as a waiter for Jack. Grace discovers that Karen starred in a fetish film. Okay, so we decided that the fetish film involves Karen being a maid. Yes, because the, the fetish film is um, called Next to Godliness, so clearly it's a reference to cleanliness, right. and she's dressed as a maid, well, though we don't ever, don't ever see it, and we hear Which her is probably good. telling the other person in the film that they are a dirty little piggy and a dirty little baby. Yeah, that just seemed like a normal thing that Karen said, so it didn't really register to me as like made dialogue. Yes, and I only really realized it once later in the episode they explained that she is dressed as a maid in the scene. Yes. Because she explains, like, they were like, do this fetish film naked? And she said no. And they said, how about in this maid's uniform? And then she said, okay, right. yes. And how hard would you like me to hit <laughs> this man with a scrub brush? <laughs> Let's backtrack a little bit. So anyways, to serve is clearly a reference to the cater waiter business that right. Jack is in charge of. And disinfect is a reference to Karen's fetish film. Right. So obviously this is a bit of an eclectic episode. Oh man, this episode <laughs> is all kinds of topsy-turvy weirdness. It's beautiful. There's a lot of role reversal in it. Yeah, so... This show's been doing a little bit better of a job in the last couple of episodes of having its two plots be really thematically linked. Yeah. Like last week we had two plots that had to do with money. Mm-hmm. Now we're all about role reversal, where yeah. Jack is on top and uh, Grace gets to be on top. Yeah, so we always kind of see Will sort of look down on Jack, but mm-hmm. um, so as we saw in last episode... After getting fired by Harlan, Will has lost his job because he fired all of his clients. I You said that this was going to carry through to another episode, and I was really surprised that it did so with such commitment. I mean, we're losing a job. We're losing a set. Mm-hmm. We are we are transitioning all the way out of this. Like, now Will is unemployed. Mm-hmm. He has a law degree, but no clients. Yep. And he is making ends meet by helping Jack. Cater waiter. Uh, yeah, cater waiter. Yeah, so basically Jack explains that he's, like, now in charge of, like, this troop of cater waiters. Which he kind of, like, presents them sort of like he's the conductor of, like, a gay men's choir. Yeah, that seems about right. probably he is objectively based on the gay men who are cater waiters. I mean, admittedly, with them all in tuxedos, it just sort of looks like they're a musical group. Right. Or penguins. But it's kind of fun because it gives us a role reversal episode where Jack is, like, the boss. Yeah, he... And Will is not only unemployed, he's... He is the last cater waiter. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know anything. He's late. He's the newbie. He's late. He is bad at it for mm-hmm. the most part. He's a really bad cater waiter. Yeah, also like kind of a bad friend in this episode, but we'll get on to that in a minute. <laughs> um, so yeah, so essentially, basically Jack dares him that you can't even handle being a cater waiter. You you don't understand. Being a cater waiter is T-U-F-F. F. <laughs> and after Will makes the very obvious jokes about how, yeah, it was probably super hard to go to cater waiter grad school, la la la, because he's a dick. Right. Eventually, he accepts Jack's challenge, which leaves Jack a bit befuddled. Right, but I think Jack is just, like, surprised that Will is that desperate. Yeah, so... Like, but, I don't, honestly, I don't think Jack has a good sense of what Will does for a living. No, not at all. <laughs> so he's not really aware of, like, oh, you don't have any clients? That means you're broke. Yeah. He is aware that when Harlan makes a lot of money... Will is the opposite of broke. Yes. So he essentially tells Will that he's down a man. And so if you think that my life is so easy, then you should do it for a night. And Will, desperate for money, is like, yeah, okay. (laughs) And so then Jack... It's a good idea. It's a great idea. I mean, 
I Maybelline's probably get paid a fair amount of money. I mean, I can't imagine it's su- they're like super flush with cash, but it's probably at least a minimum wage job, which is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. So and you're working like all night. Yeah, which sucks, but I mean, I don't really know. I've been a server at several different restaurants, but it's always been sort of like a tip situation. Right. I don't really know if that's how it works with cater waitering. I can't imagine. If you are a cater waiter, please let us know. <laughs> I'm I'm interested. I, I I've done a lot of serving, but it's always been yeah, like a restaurant really that. setting. I, my only service job was I worked at a drive-in restaurant. <laughs> um, I was a cook, and then for one year I was a waitress. <laughs> he was a car hop. Right. All the car hops were women except me, so I was a waitress. Yep, Matthew was a waitress. I I did not get tipped as well as the women because sexism. You see, that's so interesting to me because in the vast majority of, like, service jobs that I've had, the men always made more money because it's very clear that, like, if someone is waited on by a male server, they assume that they are doing this as, like, a stopgap job until they move on to their, like, capital C career. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, if they're served by a woman, they just assume that that's what women do. Right. I think the problem is, like, with our setup, like, it was set up like a 50s diner. Mm, So I think, like, once you drove in and parked, you're like, transported back in time. Like, uh, yes. Yeah, so, oh, little lady, you need some money to buy your knitting set. Yeah, so clearly sexism wasn't on your side. Right. Because they didn't want a husky man. No. Because there weren't any gays in the 50s. There were not any gays in the 50s. In case you were aware, weren't aware. They were born in the late 70s. Yes. And they had about four years and then AIDS. Yep. That's, that's the history of gays. Mm-hmm. Stonewall's a myth. Hashtag Stonewall hoax. <laughs> Hashtag Stonewall truther. <laughs> okay, guys, oh, but like, for real, Stonewall. We're not Stonewall truthers. We're not Stonewall truthers. Stonewall was real. It's a very important thing. Please look it up, baby gays. I know you don't know what it is. <laughs> Hashtag baby gays truthers. <laughs> Hashtag baby gay education. <laughs> um. So anyways, uh, but yeah, I definitely found myself relating super hard to Jack in this episode, mm-hmm. in part because as my uh, one of my current jobs, I have two. I work as a house manager at a theater. It right. happens to be the same theater where Matthew works. And sometimes I have to wear a dopey headset like Jack <laughs> has to wear. And I definitely had a lot of feelings about his forgetting to plug it into I a guess situation. based on like, what you have to do at that job, your job is a little bit like what Jack's job is. You're definitely in charge. Mm-hmm. You have like someone you're like reporting to in yes. like, a different room. Yes. You manage people who maybe don't know what they're doing. Yes, I have an army of ushers that have varying degrees of um, capability. (laughs) We'll put it that way. I have a lot of really great ushers, but I also have had teenagers who want to go wash their hands as the show is starting for reasons. So would you say that the people that you interact with as a house manager are better or worse than the ones you interact with when you're a server? Mm, I would say better okay. because at least I'm their boss. When I'm a server, then I, I'm always treated like I was subservient. Right. Like I literally. Well, it is in the word. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean, I literally remember it was right after I graduated from college and I was like looking for like a real job and I was working briefly at the Olive Garden. Right. As one does. And so I literally had just graduated from the University of Wisconsin with a bachelor's degree and I was pretty proud of it. First gen college student. Like mm-hmm. I'm like making ends meet as a server, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to make my mark on the world and I get this asshole with his daughter who's clearly a freshman at UW who talks to me like I am an idiot and so I literally just had to sit there seething the entire meal until finally he was like a chatty asshole he asked me what like what I was doing in Madison if I was from there and I'm like oh I actually just graduated from UW Madison with a degree in English much like your daughter is going to have wink bye have a good night that was also optimistic of you to assume that his daughter was going to graduate though yeah that's true Probably not. She's probably going to flunk out in a drunken haze. Mm-hmm. So I totally relate to Jack in this episode, though. Mm-hmm. Like, for realsies. One of the other things about the episode that I think that we kind of disagreed on is 
So the complication of the story is not just that Will is, haha, Will is enough to be a cater waiter. The <laughs> dinner is actually for the American Bar Association. Or ABBA, as Jack likes to call <laughs> <Right>. it. <laughs> no, only one B. It's totally different. ABA. Unlike what Jack thinks, the American Bar Association is a bunch of lawyers. Um, who which, Will probably knows. And do, it turns out does know several of them. Yes. So Will's kind of stuck in the situation where he's a cater waiter who is about to start serving all of his colleagues. And former classmates. Right. And I, Tess and I disagree on this, because mm. I think it's indisputable that Will behaves badly in this episode. Oh yeah, absolutely. He ditches Jack. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really defend him right away. Nope. He lets these other lawyers say mean things to Jack and the other cater waiters. Mm-hmm. But I think Jack is a little bit at fault for not understanding what kind of position it puts Will in. It's not just that... Will is being a cater waiter. It's that Will is being asked to be a cater waiter in a way that will jeopardize his future employment prospects. I don't know. Here's my take on it. So they entered into a verbal contract in which Will promised to fill in for the man down so mm-hmm. they could do ballet service. Right. So Jack had been counting on him. He had agreed to pay him a wage. Yeah. And so he, like, it throws off his entire thing. And then not only does Will flake, but then Jack has to serve Will. And in addition to serving Will, he also has to serve Will's asshole colleague and former classmate. You're right. That is a good point. I think if Will wasn't going to be the cater waiter, Will should have left. Yes. That's what I think, too. Like, if he was going to bail, he should not have stayed. Yes. Like, I mean... That was inappropriate. He shouldn't have bailed. I'm going to be completely honest. That was a dick move. But if he was going to bail, he should have just gone home and just been like, Jack, I can't be here because this might jeopardize my career prospects because I'm a rich, snooty asshole. (laughs) But nonetheless, so then essentially Jack gets some fun shenanigans. He hits Will in the head with a pepper grinder twice, which I thought was pretty great. (laughs) A really big pepper grinder. I mean, he deserved it. Like, I'm sorry. It was a little phallic. Oof, it was great. I liked it. Dr. Pepper. Anyways. <laughs> but, yeah, so this Brian Kelly human person that uh, Will apparently mm-hmm. knows from law school is a complete and utter asswipe. And I think it's hard for me because I think the episode kind of leans on that a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. it, it would have a little bit less of a like, stand on if it was just Will being mean to Jack or Will not helping Jack and, like, just chatting with his lawyer friends. It really hinges, I think, too much on the fact that this lawyer that Will happens to be talking to is mean to Jack. I mean, I don't know, though, because, again, I've been a server, and right. this is how people treat servers. Right. I don't think it w- it had to have just been, like, Will's buddy that he was buddying up to. It could have been anybody if Will had bailed, and he would have seen the error of his ways of, like, oh, True. I'm associating myself with these dickwads instead of my best friend, who I promised to do a favor in exchange for a wage, and then bailed on to eat big fat chicken. Okay, but... I think maybe you're undercutting your own argument. Is he doing a favor or is he working for him? Well, he made a promise regardless. Yes. And because he, if he's accepting a wage, then he could totally flake on that and then he doesn't get his financial reward. I mean, that's fair and all, but he did also make a verbal contract and a promise to yes, Jack. That's true. And I mean, part of the reason that his lawyer friend is bitching is because the service is so slow because what do you know? They're a man down. They're missing a server. But as you say, people are just like that in general. I mean, people are just like that in general, <laughs> but they always fixate on the smallest thing that they can bitch about, and the uh, small thing you can bitch about, food sleep. Yeah. Bitching, throwing a fit, literally verbally abusing Jack. Also, the thing he ordered was like a steak. Like, yeah. tone it down, bitch. Like, I mean, did you order that like rare as rare as rare? That shit takes long to cook, asshole. Yeah. But whatever. I, just, I don't really understand that mentality, I guess, and I guess it's just because I'm a good person. Yeah. <laughs> but like... You're at a big fancy dinner. Why are you expecting to get your food anytime soon? Like, 
Have you been to a big fancy dinner? I don't know. Every... You know what your first course at a big fancy dinner is? Vodka. Yes. In your martini. You, you know, know what, what your second, third, and fourth courses are? Also vodka. Maybe you transition to beer if you're driving later. It's <laughs> I mean, not... they're, they're in New York. They're not driving. That's true. So just straight up vodka. <laughs> straight up vodka. Like, you're not there to eat. The eating is a bonus. Like, you're literally there to socialize, drink, and maybe nibbles. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, like, people in general just, like, don't think about how things actually are. I know it's like a really vague pronouncement, but like... Do tell. Tell us more. really vague pronouncement. <laughs> like things like that. Like people like literally like set themselves up for failure and don't, you know, have a nosh with their friends before going to this big fancy dinner or go to dinner and plan to get served an hour in. You know what I mean? Like, and then they complain about it. I mean, this just sounds like a general problem that I've had with like customers and guests mm-hmm. in restaurants. Yeah. Like people don't seem to realize that this is work. Like right. your food does not magically appear right. from like the ether for right. me to serve it hot and piping to you. Would right. you like cheese on that, sir? Grind, 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 grind. Thank you for eating at Olive Garden. Right. If you're the only one in a restaurant and you don't get your food for a half hour, that's one thing. Right. But if you're clearly at a crowded dinner where they are down a server because your right. friend is an asshole. That's why they have multiple course meals in the first place. Yes. It's literally to keep you happy while they make the rest of the mood. The, the mood? The mood. <laughs> With, <laughs> while they make the rest of the food. Yeah. People are just the worst. Yeah, so essentially people are the worst. Jack is the best. I'm really glad that he put a laxative in Will's soup because he totes deserved it. (laughs) The end. (laughs) Oh. All right, let's talk about Carrie and Grace's side of the episode. Okay. Also complicated. Very complicated. So just to kind of come back to it, the episode kicks off with, I don't know what he's doing there. He's fixing the fax machine, I think. Yeah, so I said- There's this dude. There's a dude, and he's fixing the fax machine because Karen attempted to fax a fabric sample. That was it. He's fa- she faxed a fabric sample. Not even a pretty one. A very ugly one. Yes. Uh, it probably was for an ugly couch. And so Grace begins to yell at her. Right. And Karen wakes up from her desk nap, right. as one does. Right. And she begins speaking and then, you know, says, la, 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 I'm going to go get Botox. Goodbye. Right. In her normal Karen voice. Sidebar. I used to have a coworker who'd do that. Yeah. Any hoodle. So then this guy is like, oh my God, is that really her? And Grace <laughs> is like, huh? And he's like, oh, it's definitely her. From the movie. From the movie. And she's like, what? No, I mean, sometimes people confuse me for Julia Roberts. And then he's like. <laughs> that is a pretty good running gag. And, the episode. and then he's just like, okay, hashtag sure, Jan. And <laughs> so, then, so then he tells her the name of the movie, which is Next to Godliness. Right. So then Grace does the only reasonable thing. Which and is rents it. And rents it. By the way, he does mention that it's an adult film. Right. Because it's a porno. Because it's a porn. And so she goes and she rents it. And I mean, I'm not sure if it's actually like pornography and that they are having sex, but it is clearly a fetish film. Right. Like there is a nude person who is, so there's some uh, sub-dom stuff that's clearly happening right. in it, but I'm not sure if there's actually any filmed intercourse or sexual activity. Probably not because Karen stays clothed the whole time. We yes. didn't get that very clearly stated, which I thought was smart because I'm sure that's how that episode got past standards of practice. Probably. Like having one of the main characters in a porn or fetish film in general is probably pushing it. I mean, but having her be clothed the whole time I mean, as a plot point. They have that in Friends though. There's that whole uh, running gag in one of the like earlier seasons about Joey was in a porn. Uh, like, he I was, remember that. No, he was like it was something about he was supposed to be playing like a copy machine repairman who has sex with someone. He oh, backs out. You're right. He All backs right. out that, at the last minute, and then he like walks in and he's like, "Hey, I thought you guys were out of toner or something weird." Right, right. right. Maybe he's a pizza guy. I don't know. You're he, right though. He walks in and, and out. So if they got that past the censors. That's. This is definitely I feel like tamer. character stars in porn was maybe just like a late 90s sitcom trope. That I probably have it on Seinfeld too, but we didn't watch that because we're normal people. And I mean, Seinfeld premiered the year you were born. Right. So 
Anyways. We're the generation that had no interest in watching that. I still Not don't. the generation that has no idea what Seinfeld is. True. I mean, I know what it is. I just don't want to watch it. Hashtag burn. Hashtag burn. <laughs> Hashtag um, burn X. <laughs> so, anyways. So, then we... So, then... Grace starts to sort of tease Karen about the movie. Right. And Karen is mortified. Yeah. I will say that Grace's teasing does stay pretty above the board. At least, yeah. at least Would you say that? I would, in general, okay, I'm just going to, from here on out, issue like a full-on trigger warning, because we're going to start talking about dubious consent in right. a moment here. So just, if that is something that concerns you, maybe skip ahead about five to ten minutes in the podcast. Right. Maybe we'll mark that out for someone in case you're curious. But anyways, so I feel like, in general... Grace's teasing just kind of starts out as just like, oh, ha, 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 I found out about this thing. And then once she realizes that Karen is completely mortified, she pretty much immediately backs off. Right. Which is not, like, unusual, but it's, it's right. nice to see. But it's a nice move to watch her do. Right. And so then Karen is so completely mortified, and she, like, explains, like, you know, she was broke out of college, right. and she did this fetish film, and there's, like, some kind of jokes about, like, you know, will you do it naked? Uh, no. Will you do it in a rubber French maid's costume? Sure. And how hard do you want me to hit the guy with the scrub brush? Blah, blah, right. blah. And so it's, like, sort of, like, a funny explanation. But, like, that's a very real predicament that a lot of women find themselves in where they end up not having very many options and they do turn to sex work only right. to have it come up later in their life and could right. potentially be ruinous. And as far as... It's actually... It's it's played for comedy, but it's actually for a comedy not really played that funny. Like, yeah. I think the thing that really makes it a better, more more well-rounded plot point mm-hmm. is that she actually goes and, like... Like confronts this dude. Yeah. So her. essentially, it sounds like she was unaware of the plans to actually distribute the film in right. Manhattan, where she like lives and like is married and is like almost kind of a prominent socialite now. Right. So this could very really hurt her reputation. And so she goes to the person who produced the film. Right. He's disgusting. Right. Of course. Classic He's, sleazeball. Classic sleazeball. Basically, was like, ah, oh, well, you did it. So I distributed around Manhattan. I think there are about fifty copies. Blah, blah, blah. Give right. us a kiss. And then it's beautiful because she goes to hit him and then he's like, ah, you couldn't do it. Give us a kiss because he's, again, disgusting and right. trying to coerce her into kissing him. And then she turns around in this beautiful scene of comeuppance that I have no regrets about enjoying this violence. <laughs> she puts on a rubber glove and slaps him across the face because she doesn't want her bare skin to touch him. And that's amazing. Yep. Like, I've never even, like, thought of that, like, as a comeback. Like, oh, my God. It's brilliant. I've like, never seen it done anywhere else. Yeah, it's, it was really great. So it's a beautiful piece of comedy. But Karen essentially is very dejected. She's very concerned this guy won't tell her where he distributed the film, so there's no way she can track them down. Right. And there's nothing that she can do to, like, get this out of the public. And then she returns to the office, essentially, to tender her resignation because she's right. absolutely mortified. And also there's a lot of jokes about how her and Grace's power roles have right. shifted because... Grace used to idolize her. Now she just thinks of her as like a common tramp or whatever. And Grace is sort of like, um, uh, okay. But um, Grace does something nice and she says, before you go, I think you should take a look at this. And she hands her a box of all the VHS copies. Which is so cool. And we're yeah. taking forever. Yeah. And so like we get a little bit of it later in the episode where Grace explains that she had to go to like legitimately 50 different porn video stores mm-hmm. to buy all the copies of this. And you know, I don't remember, I'm sure this is after like the Queen of the Times Square has sort of happened. So like they're not even like super like accessible. Right. Like she was like all up and down Manhattan for this problem. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like that was a really strong thing of friendship that like clearly she mm-hmm. found out that like this was something that Karen had not consented to. This right. was something she was very uncomfortable with and very ashamed of. Right. And so she did a very honorable and nice thing by tracking mm-hmm. down all of these videos. And then she ruins it by keeping a copy for herself. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to have told Will about the fetish film. It's another thing to show it to him. Yeah. 
And that is kind of where the episode's like, yay, female friendship, kind of like, for me. Like, it's like, <laughs> Max Munchnik, you didn't even fucking try. Yeah. It's a little inconsistent. Admittedly, this episode was written by someone named Katie Palmer. Okay. So, Katie Palmer, you didn't even fucking try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, like, it does a really good job of Grace doing this really lovely and wonderful and thoughtful thing, Mm -hmm. and then immediately undercuts it by having it played for comedy, and then at the end of the episode, we have Will and Grace comparing how bad their days are, and it ends with Grace being like, Karen doing actual work. It's play on the fetish film. (laughs) And, like... Does that invalidate the thing she does for Karen, though? I mean, I think it does because she kept a copy and showed it to someone else without clearing it with Karen. Like, if she had, like, given Karen a call being like, but wait, is it okay if I showed it to Will? Sure. Karen would have probably said, absolutely not. Are you fucking kidding me? Right. What the actual fuck? <laughs> so, I feel like that definitely does invalidate it a little bit. Okay. Like, it's still a nice thing that she did, but it's not nearly as nice as if she had just actually collected all mm. the copies and given them to Karen for Karen to do whatever she wants with them. Right. So, yeah, that's my that's my official stance. <laughs> it's okay if you help your friends out in covering up their history of sex work. It is not okay if you keep a copy and show it to your gay best friend. That's a good life lesson for everyone. It's, it's a- very relatable. Yes. <laughs> so anyways, I think we're probably done talking about the problematic portion yeah. of this episode. Okay, cool. So um, now let's maybe talk about the ending. Other than the, the actual fact of them watching the sex tape, I think the ending is actually pretty solid. Yeah, I thought the ending was pretty good because this is one of the few episodes we've seen where Will and Grace are kind of separate from most of the yeah, episodes. Yeah, it's really cool because like the show is obviously played with having Will and Jack and Grace and Karen episodes. Like It's mm-hmm. a really common... Like, if it's not going to be Will and Grace and Jack and Karen, it's going to be the boys and the girls. Right. But I think this is either the first time or one of the first times it's been really noticeable mm-hmm. that Will and Grace have been really divided for the episode. Mm-hmm. They are together at the beginning because Grace is helping Will close his office and they're sharing lunch one last time. Mm-hmm. And then sad. they kind of go their separate ways for the whole episode. Yeah. And so what they have at the conclusion is this bit where there's kind of like, basically they're checking in with each other and they're like, how bad was your day? My day was worse. <laughs> Then they go, like, back and forth with it. Yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that episode in season one where we called it Oppression Yu-Gi-Oh, where they were playing, like, whose life is worse, being a Mm -hmm. guy who's gay or being a girl. Right, right. It was very much like that. Yeah. And it was also just kind of, like, funny and cute. Like, Mm -hmm. it was a good way of summing up the episode. It felt really organic and natural. Yeah. I also like that they're clearly back in the swing of doing friend things again. Yeah, I feel like they definitely had quite a few bumps in the road right after, like, they immediately moved out. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like this is kind of hinting at them kind of getting their shit back together. Right. Um, also, I just wanted to plug that it reminded me of a really cute scene from one of my other favorite TV shows, which is Grey's Anatomy. Okay. And I think it's the end of season one, mm-hmm. maybe the beginning of season two. I'm not quite sure where it falls because those kind of blend together in my mind. But there's this scene with Christina Yang and Meredith Grey, and they're at the bar, mm-hmm. and they're drinking, and... Um, <laughs> Uh, Meredith comes in and she's like, we're going to play a game called Whose Life Sucks the Worst? I will win. Right. And then Christina's like, I, I don't I don't think so. I think I will win. And so then she's <laughs> like, yeah, well, Derek Shepard, who I've been sleeping with, McDreamy, has a McWife. And then Christina Yang counters by being like, yeah, well, I've been sleeping with Burke and I'm pregnant and I'm getting an abortion and you're my person. <laughs> Boom. I win. And so, yeah, it's just, like, I feel like that's kind of a fun TV trope that we see of, like, friends sort of, like, unpacking and complaining about their crappy days to each other. And we do that. We do that. We usually push it too far and then we start fighting. Yes, we have a tendency to, like, complain, complain, complain to the point where the other one's, like, grinding their teeth (laughs) and, like, their head is sort of turning at an unnatural angle and then all of a sudden... But in ten years, we'll be able to just sit on the couch and, you know, violate our friend's privacy. I don't want to do that. Okay, maybe not that second part. Let's not violate our friend's privacy. Let's just sit on the couch and veg out and 
play Oppression Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. I guess we can watch our friends' sex tapes if we ask for permission first. As long as our friends expressly tell us verbally that it is okay if we mm-hmm. watch their sex tapes, then it's fine. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> but maybe we still shouldn't do that. I mean, I think we would probably be scarred for life. I'm just trying to think of any of our friends who I would imagine I could watch a sex tape of and be like, walk away and just be like, yeah, that was fine. You see, I don't think I could do that because I would never be able to look them in the eye again. It's sort of like when you, okay, maybe this isn't an experience that everyone has, but like when you like are best friends with someone for a long time and then you fuck them and then you're like, well, we're not friends anymore because <laughs> now we're banging and our friendship is ruined. Are you saying we're not friends anymore? We never banged, Matthew. Fine. Well, we had sex in the uh, in the larger explanation of sex, but speaking of very boring hetero boy girl P and V sex, we did not. Right. So we can still be friends. Is that the rule? We can still be friends. Yay! I'm so happy, and so are all of you listeners. I'm sure. And I'm sure our parents are very happy to know that we never had sex. Yay! At least not penetrative sex. Yay! <laughs> We're adults. Yep. Ish. Sex! <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Thanks for listening to us this week, you guys. Hope we didn't get a little too off track for you. Yeah! Do you uh, want... I'll tell them where you can find us. Yeah! If, you, uh, if you're listening to this, you already know that we're either on iTunes or Mixcloud. You can also find us on Twitter at NotACoupleShow. You can find us on Tumblr at NotACouplePodcast.tumblr.com. Or you can send us an email at NotACouplePodcast at gmail.com. And our show notes are on Medium. Yeah, we're putting them up every week, sometimes a little bit after the episode goes up. So if you've seen an episode on Thursday and you don't see show notes right away, check back in a couple days later. It'll probably be up. Matthew writes the show notes, so occasionally if I edit the episode, it's a little harder for him to get them out faster because he hasn't heard it yet. But I mean, like, what else are you going to do on your weekend? Like, yeah. Like, go out and have fun? No. no. Dot. Saturday is show notes, notes day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been... Not a couple. Bye-bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one kitten cat. This episode was brought to you by ABBA, trying to differentiate itself from the American Bar Association. You can dance. You can jive. Having the time of your life.